Okie dokie, folks, and welcome back to Monday Night Shaw on Love Wrestling. I am here with uh, the Colton G, and uh, this is our second time recording this. Uh, unfortunately, we had a, a there was some maintenance stuff that was going on, and the, the last uh, recording accidentally got deleted. But these things happen in the world of podcasts, hey, as uh, Colton G is. Uh, quite familiar with uh colton let's uh, let's start right there Very bud familiar. you do have your own uh, podcast gimmick uh let the fans know uh where it is what it is what it's hey. all about hey all right all right well yeah um i too uh also happen to be a podcaster we've been doing it for about five years now i'm um, actually in like two three weeks it'll be five years that oh, i've been running uh the desert tiger podcast um sort of started it like out of just sort of like the necessity to create. Um, I used to be a touring musician and uh, I ended up shattering my wrist. And oh. out of that sort of like, I've kind of um, always like been sort of like driven since like the last like eight years or so. I had an accident that kind of like made me want to chase my dreams. So after like one dream was kind of taken away from me and like I straight up, like I shattered my wrist, like I couldn't work couldn't work out, couldn't play bass, anything for six months. Yeah, that would ruin my love life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... We, we took a hit. We took a hit. Straight straight to the soul. But uh, out of that, just sort of like not being able to like play shows and like tour, write music, all of that sort of stuff. I just sort of like needed an outlet to create. And through music, I sort of like found that like some interviews weren't exactly like as in-depth as maybe like I would have liked or otherwise because like not to like say anything like against like a tv or a radio interview they have their own structures where like maybe you get 10 maybe you get 15 minutes and sometimes like you can't really get like full depth uh with a guest or otherwise especially when you're fitting in commercials songs and everything else inside of like that time period right so um, I'm just like a big fan of podcasts, uh, specifically at the time. Talk is Jericho was like my favorite podcast. It's <laughs> a good one. It was. So another guy who like chased pretty much every dream he ever had, right? Like pro wrestler, uh, top charting musician who was like headlined festivals, like all over the world, like has his own podcast. Um, so many creative mm -hmm. ventures. So it was sort of just like of that. Books. Exactly. Yeah. So that was sort of like my thing. Whereas like if he can do all of these different things and like do them well it's like why can't i try and like branch out into a different area and sort of like interview my interests because i found sort of like in my area of canada i was in saskatchewan originally like you know you weren't finding a lot of like in at the time like in-depth wrestling interviews or like in-depth like interviews with like uh, local Canadian musicians who like at the time hadn't like really broken out big or otherwise people I had toured with people I was friends with so it's sort of like just a a way to like you know uh, put my mind at ease and like you know have some sort of like a creative outlet and then be just sort of like give my friends like an outlet so that they could continue to share their story and then from there it's just sort of like grown our first guest was a uh, Danny Duggan of CWE and then like the majority of my guests are musicians though so it's sort of like we've done a mixture we've had authors we've had actors um but like i said desert tiger's uh main thing is music so 
Uh, we cover like pretty much all genres. It's if I like the song, I will dive into it with you. I don't care how big you are, how small you are. I have had artists who have like over a billion career streams and are like platinum and gold and have like sold out shows across the world. And I have covered artists who like at the time literally were getting seven streams on their songs. But like if I mess with it, I mess with it, right? Because like that was part of my goal was like to try and leverage like the audiences of larger musicians and then like try and introduce them to new music because like people are finding new music through like Spotify playlists or like otherwise, but how else are people like really finding new music, right? Mm. Yeah, so kind of just evolved from there and now it's uh, enveloped my life and I answer like 50 emails a day and um, I love it. <laughs> so have you got full uh, like uh, mobility and stuff back in your wrist? Um, it took like, I don't have like full like range still kind of like I work on it all the time. Um, I've built up the strength back in it. Like I can lift just as much with both arms. Um, like, so through time, like this was a few years ago, right? So like 2018 was when I finally was able to like get back into the gym and i was told it was like i had to make decisions where i was like you can do two things not three you can either play bass work out or go to work so of course have to make money so i had to go to work and then i wanted to build strength back up in my wrist before i started playing again so mm -hmm. gym was immediately like the next option and like straight up starting with like two pound five pound like dumbbells just like straight like just working on motion and building back strength and like it's a pain like sometimes like during the winter like if it's really cold like I will get sharp pains through my arm just because like you know I've got a steel plate and seven screws and like a pin holding the thing together but I mean we make it work yeah I hear you I uh I I I've broken both my feet in the past oh. and then every once in a while I just get this like gnarly pain and they thought that maybe it was gout but the last time I had it I went to the doctor and he was like no this is not gout it's uh it's like arthritis and I was like oh that's not good and he was like yeah there's not really anything we can do for you uh, you know so uh, I just like I'd take like diclofenac and hope that it gets better and usually that clears it up within a couple of days but it's mm -hmm. really really like sometimes I can hardly walk and it's mm -hmm. it's especially like out here in Alberta when there's like it gets really cold and like so when the winter sets in that's when it gets the worst right mm -hmm. um, absolutely yeah, what actually... was it like an auto accident that you were in um so i was actually riding a pedal bike like literally 10 blocks um in downtown regina i used to live in uh, north central regina so i was just riding my bike and then i had to pass across like a busy street and this guy happened like was speeding around and he just pulled around me into the other lane and he was probably going about like 60 or 70 in like a 40 zone and Light turned yellow, and then rather than going through, he just decided to hammer on his brakes, like, right after he cut me off. So my options were, like, uh, crash into the back of the car and launch into the intersection or hammer on my brakes. And the brakes on the bike were actually messed up. So, like, front brake engaged, back brake didn't. So, like, I still launched, but, like, not over the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, that doesn't sound like it was much fun at all. 
Oh no, it's uh I woke up and I thought like I had only dislocated it cuz like straight up it was like turned and like I had popped both of these bones like out and I thought I just dislocated it. So like the first thing I did cuz like I'm in shock and like not feeling much pain was like, "Can I put this back into place?" It was like, "Oh, dove." Nope, nope, I'm passing out in the middle of the hood. All right, we need to get we need to get to the hospital right now, which thankfully wow. was like 4 blocks away. <laughs> Boy, that that that's that's rough, but I mean, it, at least it has resulted in uh, like the silver lining is that you have like a a, a fairly successful uh, podcast and whatnot now, and you've had you've got to talk to a lot of cool people. I mean, I uh, I've talked to Danny Duggan, uh, mm-hmm. definitely. I've wrestled for him a few times too. I've 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 competed with him in the ring uh, a bunch of times, nice. and uh, he's he's actually he's somebody that I really love wrestling because he's he's, he's got a great mind for it and knows how to get the crowds like reactions mm-hmm. and stuff so he's he's one of my favorites uh who are some of the other uh, wrestlers that you've had on your podcast um so mostly like people from bc um in terms of like other wrestlers uh so i've had like a buddy of mine i'm in kamloops and then there's one other wrestler from kamloops he goes by justin cider um, he's a little bit of like, he calls himself the 40 year old rookie. Uh, we've been sort of like training together for like the last couple of years and sort of always travel together. So it was just like natural to have him on. Um, I had a buddy of mine cope. Uh, I know he's been out in Alberta. I know he's doing <clears throat> RCW and stuff. And like, I know he did like a Canadian strong style match out in Alberta that like still like gets talked about by so many people. Um, dude is like fantastic human being so i talked to him because like about like going to japan and stuff because you got to do that at one point uh danny deeds the uh audacity uh oh yeah i had him on too he's great oh my goodness i had him on last year and it was just this deep dive into like the world of promoting and like there were so many different aspects of the business that we dove into i actually had to chop it into two episodes because it was like, there's just so much valuable information coming from this man's brain that it's like, I can't just like cut any of it. Like, no, we just got to make it a second episode. And uh, I recently had Jace Darcy, um, all-star wrestling heavyweight champion. Uh, actually, he just returned from an injury. So we kind of like set it up around that time to hype things up. He just had his first show back actually in Kamloops uh, on Solid. the 17th here. And I've also had, um, I've had like the interesting, um, like opportunity to become friends with like Bay Ragney, who like the name probably doesn't like ring bells, but he used to be Chubby Dudley back in ECW. What? And he himself actually runs like a music podcast. And like I connected with him through the music world, and then when I found out he was Chubby Dudley, I was like, "I need to have you on the show." I, I have never even heard of Chubby Dudley. Like I, I've heard of the Dudley Boys. Yeah, Chub- ECW. But- yeah, like way back before, like the like the two main, three main Dudley Boys went to WWF. But before mm-hmm. that, they had an entire family where like the entire gimmick was Papa Dudley went to Dudleyville and just like knocked up a whole bunch of different people and like has all these people so they had sign guy dudley they had chubby dudley like all of these different like dudley boys and yeah i remember they had dances with with dudley (laughs) yes yes. yeah yeah so chubby dudley would literally just sit there and like eat cereal and shit and like it was fantastic and like being able to talk to him about like his journey through the business and like how like 
things didn't really pan out for him and like how like he was disappointed at first but like once again like you say like i was able to leverage my like disappointments and put them into like my own show he did the exact same thing where like you know he sort of took his like own little like hey this isn't working out for me what else do i love what else can i do and like the dude just talks rock and roll music and fast cars like all day <laughs> oh like good for him man i mean that's that's got it that i mean being a part of like the dudley like dynasty is that's pretty impressive like hey. even if you're one of the lesser known dudleys that uh you know, the canadian goose has never heard of <laughs> Hey man, it's a, he was a part of uh, some part of history, even if not as many people are aware of it. It was definitely one of my more favorite uh, interviews slash conversations I've been able to have. And like I said, he sort of became a friend after that. Was like so that was kind of really cool. Yeah, that's one of the the interesting things about having uh, people on your podcast is you you can like use it as a networking like thing right like yeah it's it's a it's it's very cool to have uh interesting and new people on um you've also uh you're you've now become one of the premier referees out in uh, british columbia and so how did you transition from being a podcaster to being a pro wrestling referee um actually through uh attempting to get a podcast interview um so I actually came out to RCW. That's how we met. Um, yes, back yes, in January that. 2018, um, because RCW had brought out Al Snow, and I was just starting to like get back into wrestling. I had actually applied to like do some training for I believe it was High Impact in Regina, like literally the week before I broke my wrist. Oh, so I had interest in like the industry, and it was just sort of like, how can I do this? So I actually like came down to Alberta to try and interview Al Snow and Davey Boy Smith Jr. I didn't end up getting the interviews just because, like, I didn't realize how busy a wrestling day actually is. Yeah, um, they're pretty hectic. So I didn't end up getting an interview with either of them. I got to have fantastic conversations with them and pick their brains a little bit. But it was just sort of, like, just by proxy of, like, I happened to know one of the wrestlers on the card through um, a Facebook wrestling group. And oh, okay. reached out to him. It was Scott Justice, I believe. Oh, solid. Yeah. So I reached out to him and just sort of like, hey, man, I'm going to be like trying to come down to Alberta, trying to like uh, interview Al Snow. Um, we should hang out like, you know, and he just sort of like reached out and was like, hey, man, is there anything like you else you would love to do on the show? I know that you wanted to do this at one point. Um, is there like anything that like you would do? So, of course, working with a microphone, naturally, I was like, well, what about announcing? It's like, oh, we we, we trying to take an, my we job. have an announcer, <laughs> and I was like, right away, he's like, we have an announcer, and I was like, okay, cool, cool. Um, what about ref? And he's like, uh, watch Raw tonight. Send me some notes, and then like, we'll see if we can work it out. So I did that. I watched like a couple of matches, and I sent him what I already had, and he's like, I'll talk. Like, we'll we'll see what we can do for you. So yeah, showed up, was given a ref shirt, got thrown in the first match on the first card I ever had to ref, and. Uh, we just sort of had a blast from there, and then it took a little bit of time, like, from that Alberta. I think I did three matches on two days there, and then, like, I didn't actually break into BC until, like, September 2019. So, like, there was a solid, like, year and a half break there where, like, some things that we don't need to dive into uh, sort of happened that just sort of, like, had me on the outs with some people. 
So just through like hard work and like eventually like going through, I showed up for a couple seminars. I helped with setup. I helped with lights. Um, eventually, I got to a point where um, the promoter of thrash wrestling just sort of was willing to give me another opportunity and just sort of as soon as he like I actually had a conversation with him about the, this weekend where I was like, dude, as soon as you gave me that ball, I ran like as soon as I was allowed to put my foot back through those ropes. It was like I took every opportunity I could. It's like every learning opportunity is anytime I could ask anybody like, hey, man, how can I improve? How can I get better? Just to like help this team get better, this crew. Like I want to be the best referee that I can be. And that's just basically it is like I showed up. Uh, yeah, the one day for a Kamloop show, did a seminar, helped with lights, was asked to come out like a week later to Vernon. And then as soon as uh, I pretty much walked in, I was asked, do you have your gear? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I do. And always bring your gear. All, I was just about to say, always bring your gear because you never know. And <laughs> the I only have, time I don't take my gear is if I specifically like don't want to wrestle, which usually means I'm injured and can't wrestle. Mm -hmm. Because other than that, I love wrestling and I will mm -hmm. wrestle anywhere for anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like that principle is basically like just being like willing to show up put in the work and just otherwise has like earned me opportunities because like from thrash i was able to build up from there i got into the other okanagan promotion big west who i know you recently uh came and made your debut for yeah so, that was uh, a lot hi, of fun hi. hey glad to hear it man rutland uh centennial hall is a fun building Sure. Yeah, it was good, and uh, I had a I had a pretty fun match with uh, KB Six, and uh, yeah, it was good. I, I know that uh, Marty's going to be putting out the match soon on video, so I'm looking forward to to checking it out because uh, we worked pretty hard. Marty's ring was weird though, eh? It's um, both of the Okanagan rings are were like interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, like the, the ropes the are so high. <laughs> well, the floorboards on the on the ring, like normally there's like steel beams that go across the ring. Well, Marty's ring has wooden, like it's just pieces of wood there. So it, you take a bump and there's no bounce to it. I woke up the next morning going, oh, no, I shouldn't have taken all those bumps. It's a, li <laughs> it's a living room floor. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, it's a deck. <laughs> yeah. But it, I, I mean, this, I still like I had a tremendous time and the, the, the day of the show, I was amped to go and I had a great time. And, you know, the adrenaline carries. It wasn't till the next morning where I was like, oh, oh, I'm glad I brought some Advil in my heating pad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I got lucky. I got lucky to be able to train inside of that ring and like Thrash's ring and sort of. um just like I said, through getting matches and being able to ask like the wrestlers and otherwise, because um, like when I did get in, um, Big West had lost to the building that they were training people in. Thrash didn't have anywhere to set up their ring. So it was just sort of like before shows, I was getting in there, rolling around with the guys and then basically just watching matches like every single day. I try and watch at least one match a day. Uh, usually when I'm eating supper and try to like, you know, watch all of these different things and just sort of break down. What does the ref do? How does he interact with people? And 
just sort of taking that and then once again just taking my matches and then like going from one match a card and just sort of eventually building the trust and learning and growing as a talent and i mean like i'm very thankful to like every wrestler that was a part of that journey because um in a lot of other places uh referees can get like a little bit more of training i know lance had offered it at one point but had stopped doing it because like there wasn't enough interest and but like i know in seattle like refs get practice matches sometimes and otherwise like i didn't have that um i was basically like i said first card first match like thrown into the fire and if it wasn't for like the wrestlers like just wanting me to be a better talent so that like the matches can be better all around and like them being willing to share knowledge and everything else because like right from the get-go um like even that first match like big jess barricade like big jess and like heavy well harlan abbott um heavy metal at the time um both like pulled me aside because they were a tag team and like like metal who like had a car like his match later on in the card like watched his tag team partners match obviously but like he didn't have to like watch me and like take the time to like tell me these things right it was my first mm-hmm. match ever he never knew if i was ever going to do this again right like how did he know that like this knowledge would actually get used like to take the time and to want to take the time to make the people around him better like it's stuff like that that just really really like um helped me to get this far and then just also like a few other referees like uh charlie joseph uh he's a wrestler now he's been rcw and like monster pro in alberta a couple times but usually he wrestles out here and like he used to be a referee too and he was like the main referee out here so like even though he's like 10 years younger than i am like I was his understudy and I was like, he was watching my matches and giving me advice. And I was lucky enough to have Kevin Jeffries uh, out here as well, who I always joke, Kevin Jeffries watches more of my matches than I do. And <laughs> it's honestly probably true. Cause like Kevin Jeffries used to be like a stampede wrestling, uh, WWF. Like he was like the late eighties. Like I want to say like 86, 87 sort of like area when Stampede was originally sold off to the WWF, he sort of like went with that and became a referee. He spent a couple of years there. So like having somebody like that with like 40 years of experience, um, who's been able to see like the evolution of wrestling and he can sort of tell you like, Hey, this is how I would have done it that like back then. Like, I understand maybe you guys are doing it a little bit different now. And like, He's like very open to these things rather than being like, hey, man, you should be doing it this way. It's always just like, hey, what was like your thought process here? Um, Did you consider doing it this way? Like having just like it's basically like if it wasn't for the wrestlers and if it wasn't for just like the opportunities to get in there and ply my craft and like every match I try and like take one thing that I think that I didn't do like that greatly. And then the next show, I will try and focus on, like, that one thing. I don't try to pick out too many things because if I'm trying to, like, focus on improving too many areas, I'm going to, like, be overthinking. I'm going to yeah. forget something, right? Like, whatever it is, it's it's just a matter of, like, taking that one thing, focusing on it, and just trying to give the best absolute matches that I possibly can because I love this industry and... 
it just brings me so much joy to see like people in the crowd enjoying it to know that like if the wrestlers enjoyed the match and like if they're happy with me and just like all the way from the top down it's just it's an incredible feeling and like it's even coming from the music industry it's like they're similar but both of them are just so different and there's nothing like them you know it's mm -hmm. wrestling is its own different beast and even like as the referee like i take my matches very seriously like if anybody has ever seen me backstage like before every single match like i'm getting hype like i'm out there like i'm going through like what i need to like i am like going through breathing techniques trying to get my heart rate up so that like once i get out there and i'm in with the fans i'm already there i'm already ready to go and like just bring the best absolute matches i possibly can 100 percent uh you did mention that you did do some uh referee like training uh eventually uh, what, uh, what can, like, I, this is a question I just asked, uh, Joe King, cause I recorded with him like right before, uh, I got on with you. Joe. Yeah. He, he was a good dude. Uh, yes. I really enjoyed our interview. Um, but, uh, what, what, what are the differences between training to be a referee and training to be a wrestler? So there's like different fine points. So like as a referee, like obviously like. I've done a lot more wrestler training than I've done referee training because like once again like there wasn't really much for ref training like even when I went down to the dojo like they are giving a little bit more ref training there now but like when I was going down there I was just straight up doing the wrestler training and yeah. I was doing the roles with them I was doing like all the rope work beginner advanced class like trying to just once again, prove that like, hey, man, I'm willing to work hard. Like, even if this isn't what I'm supposed to be learning, like as a referee, like I want to be the best talent I possibly can be all around. So it's like as a referee, there's different things that you need to watch for. Um, and there's so many things that you don't think about, like when you first start, um, like making sure people are healthy, right? Like you don't really like think about like that's your job until like you actually get in there and somebody gets hurt and it's like oh uh this is my call like have you ever had to stop a match thankfully no um i've had matches that have gotten close um ref a lot of hardcore um <laughs> <laughs> oh tier uh so like one of my first matches, I actually mentioned Cope earlier. Uh, my first match refing Cope, I think it was the second card I was refing in BC. First match of the night, he like simple spot where you get thrown into the corner from the outside floor, right? <laughs> Freaking, he came in on the inside, caught his head on the turnbuckle. Oh, immediately gashed, bleeding everywhere. And I got out to like go check on him, and I'm like, hey man, and the like he just looks me straight in the eyes. Don't stop the match. I was like, okay. Jeez. okay. I was like, I'll let you go for a little bit, but if I like notice that you're out of it, dude, or I think you have a concussion, we're we're going home. 
I mean, I, I think that's that's totally fair, and I, I it is like it's an underrated responsibility of the ref, but like you'll even see it on WWE and like especially in like TLC matches, like a guy will take a big bump and the ref will come over and they'll like touch their hand and stuff, and then mm-hmm. they're just waiting for the squeeze, right? Like the hey, I'm all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. You have control of your body. You can feel you can feel my hand, and you can control your own hand. Thank goodness. All right. <laughs> And that's and just then, it is like making sure that people aren't paralyzed, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, like uh, it's also like I remember uh, when I uh, was was uh, I had a match and I got smacked in the back of the head with a chair and it was bleeding all over the place and the ref uh, came over and was like, hey, are, are you okay? And I was like, no, he hit me right in the back of the head with a chair and the ref like felt back there and there was blood all over his hand. He's like, yeah, you're fucked up. We got to get you in the back. And I was like, okay. Cause like, it was at the end of the match, but mm-hmm. I, I like, uh, it was, it was Charles who, who was the ref that night. Okay. And so, yeah, we, 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 he took good care of me. And, uh, I think that's important. Another thing I talked about with Joe was that, uh, people don't realize that there is a lot of communication that happens between the wrestlers through the referees. Depends on who you're working with too. Right. Cause like some newer wrestlers don't communicate very much. I remember, uh, the first time I am like one of, uh, I had to do like a really old school style match. Whereas, like, we're going to call okay. it a ring kid, like, straight up, like, yep. hey, man, what's the plan? When I don't kick out. Okay, no, like, straight up, dude, like, no, you're going to send me into a panic attack because, like, I'm afraid to mess up. Like, what is the plan when I don't kick out? Okay, sure. And I've gotten yeah, a lot no, more I, used to that, I, but it's safe, like... <laughs> let's that's another thing i talked to uh, joe about and i was like yeah there's you know some guys that, that that will put the whole thing together in the back and they'll give the ref the iggy on the finish and uh you know of course like if you're gonna bump the ref or whatever as common courtesy to let the person know you don't want to go shoot shoot moves on referees and stuff that's not cool in my it's happened my it's it's i i think it's 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 only polite to let them know that something's coming but uh um like yeah yeah i definitely know that there is guys that are you the ref will walk up and be like so what's the finish and they're just like well when i don't kick out that that's the finish you know (laughs) um uh, and, and like I say, uh, like, like there's other situations where maybe something goes awry and they need to, to create some space and then you'll say, okay, well, Hey, that didn't work out. Like, tell them I'm going to do this to them. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then there's a lot of instances, like I'm not trying to kill the magic, but like if their double down is happening, you know, the ref will come over and you'll be like, Hey, tell them that it's two clotheslines and a back elbow next, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. Um, and it just, just time, right. Or it's like, uh, that's an like, ex yeah, a very important <laughs> thing. Uh, for sure. Uh, I, uh, my match on, uh, Saturday, I, I, we, we went out and wrestled and we had, it was like 20 minutes. And then when he came back through the curtain, uh, ref smalls was there and he was like, what the hell you guys went way over time. And uh, first things first, I was like, bro, I wasn't given a time. So, you know, this is not on me. And like, 
yeah but uh he yeah it was it was one of those things and like the referee we had for that particular match uh is is one of the newer referees um mm-hmm. uh rosa so mm-hmm. she, she she like we didn't like nobody was giving us times and uh you know i'm still fairly new so i'm not uh great at you know like i i if if, if they had told me oh we need such and such amount of time then i was just like well let's go out there and wrestle and then when we get tired we'll stop wrestling you know <laughs> like oh, <my> <laughs> yeah um but uh, yeah no time time is is an important thing especially if it is given to you you need to stick to it and it's so much easier when the referee is helping you out like i know uh ben uman is really good for that whenever i'm i'm wrestling and ben is one of the refs he'll be like okay you you guys have gone five minutes yeah so yeah i honestly like i didn't start keeping time until probably nation extreme because that was the first time where i was like we need a hard like eight minutes and i was like because before it'd be like 10 to 15 for like a lot of the other promotions i worked for because like it was a little bit looser like filming (laughs) and like trying to get things exactly on time wasn't like as much of a concern so for me to like show up and was like okay so do you have a watch never owned one in my entire life and i was like okay cool so we'll just uh we'll give you signals from the side and you just have to pay attention and not make it obvious okay sure i'll try (laughs) in rcw sometimes you will hear over the loudspeaker five minutes has elapsed five minutes has elapsed during this match and you know that's specifically so the wrestlers know hey you've got five minutes and you know if you're supposed to go 10 and you hear 15 minutes has elapsed it means time to take it home boys like here you're, you're, somebody's, somebody's yeah. about to yell at you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i mean like like i say I, I i got a little bit of the third degree on on saturday from from ref smalls but uh nobody else uh really really seemed to uh, be upset about it the promoter didn't give me any grief or anything so uh right. the, i think it was fine um but yeah it's just it's that's that's one of those things because like especially like a high production value show like like in new uh where it i mean i don't know if new has like tv or whatnot um but they, they definitely are releasing stuff on youtube and uh i i think that like for especially for one of those shows where that sort of thing is important the the ref keeping time for you can be absolutely invaluable mm-hmm. well and it's just it is sometimes as a wrestler like you don't realize because as you mentioned, sometimes you build your match in the back and like you think, okay, this will only take up this much time. But once you get out there, you start working, you start interacting with the crowd, you start selling, right? Like you start feeling the pain, like you start adding like little bits of time, like everywhere throughout here. And like some people are really good at keeping everything tight and they know exactly like how long, like something should take but some people like you know we'll just we'll build it and then like not realize like hey i want to try out this new thing oh that took longer than i thought it was going to right so it's you sort of have to be there you have to like be on it and just sort of like let like you said communicate uh all of these different things whether it's injuries whether it's time whether it's like what somebody wants um whether it's, hey, man, watch that fan in the front row. It looks like they're about to jump into the ring, which has happened numerous times. Oh, really? 
So we were just talking and you were mentioning that uh, it looked like uh, you were told to keep an eye on the fans that might jump in the ring. And then you mentioned that people actually have. Uh, yeah. What what happened? And it, like describe the situation to me. How did you how did you handle that? Um, so thankfully, um, I've been able to cut most people off before they get in the ring. Uh, recently at a thrash show in Penticton, I was actually at Love uh, Wrestling, hanging out with you that Solid. evening. Um, yeah, so while I was at Love in Edmonton, um, we actually, after the main event, uh, there was a fan who, like, was wearing a luchador mask apparently and like apparently you could tell that he was like getting revved up and ready and like for what who knows and yeah no after uh after a schmoz finish uh, apparently he was not happy and he decided he wanted himself a piece of J jace darcy and jordy taylor and those are not the guys i want to jump no <laughs> no and thankfully like they didn't get to him because like other wrestlers cut the dude off and like jumped him in the ring immediately and like pulled him out but like there's been times where i had like i want to say like a 60 year old lady tried to jump in on michael moore once because he was working her during like halftime and before the show and yeah like partway through the show, he straight up came up to me and he's like, hey, man, I want you to watch that lady in the back row over there because I don't trust her. And sure enough, partway through the match, lady starts coming up and like grabs onto the rope and I immediately just turn to her and don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like she just like looks at me and like takes her hand off the rope. Like, yeah, like just back away, please. And then like there was That's another insane. time in Vernon where there was a teenage kid who like tried to get in on the ring like in the middle of an event and like once again straight grabbed onto the rope and was pulling himself in and like I just happened to be right there at the spot and turned to him and was like this is a bad choice and you are going to get hurt and I turned to his parents and I was like come get your kid right now because like it's not gonna go well <laughs> Yeah, no, that that that's like now you're 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 stressing me out because I have a couple more matches coming up in the Okanagan. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen while I'm wrestling. Like, I think I think you have Julie um, refing, do you not? So usually she's pretty good for everything. Yeah, she she she. Uh, I got to meet her at the first uh, show, and she did a heck of a good job for somebody having to ref the entire show. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's gotta be uh like that's not a thing that happens to the wrestlers typically is that mm -hmm. they you don't usually have to work multiple matches on a show sometimes you'll do two maybe like, like one match in a battle royal right yeah yeah you get on those shows where it's like okay we got eight wrestlers we'll have four singles matches in a survivor series or four mm -hmm. singles matches in a battle royal and uh so so you get like two but rarely ever uh, i've never heard of a wrestler having to be in the ring the entire night mm -hmm. but i have heard of uh referees that have uh done that and uh i imagine that that's got to be uh pretty uh w like it's got to take a toll on your 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 body and whatnot you, oh, you probably have to be yeah. quite ready for it eh it's um like i don't know what other people do i know like you mentioned joe earlier like joe hits the gym every single morning Almost. Yeah, no, we definitely um, talked about how jacked he is. 
<laughs> it's uh, hilarious because we've actually had somebody walk up to us once and was like, guys, got to stop working out. You're putting the wrestlers to shame. <laughs> well, I even asked him about that. I says, hey, does, does it when you're out there, like, is there any guys that are like, hey, can we have the scrawnier guy? Because, <laughs> like, this guy's going to make us look bad. <laughs> I'm not that much scrawnier, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, no, and I'm not trying to, 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 to cast shade on you, nor was oh, I, I even like mentioning you, but generally the referees are, are slighter than the wrestlers. You know what I mean? I wear a very baggy ref shirt just to, uh, like it just droops off of my shoulders. You can't really tell how big like my chest is or anything. And that's sort of like, just why I sort of like oversize my ref shirt just to, sort of uh help out in that area because it's i don't want to be like you know it's like you have some refs in like the wwe who are like i know there's like one guy on nxt who's like mega jacked and like he is he's muscle referee as far as i'm concerned and he's i can't remember like what his name is but like he's also working with a lot bigger dudes and like yeah for us it's I know, um, like three days usually. I try to do like a couple days before the show just so that I can like recharge, refuel, and like know that I'm taking care of my body. But I'll try and run like an hour, hour and a half on the treadmill, try to do like four to six miles uh, just a few days beforehand just to make sure that like my body is capable of going different paces and like continuing to go straight just in case I ever have to do this. Like there has been days where I've done eight matches um, in a day. Uh, like I know that I think I've done like 11 matches in a period of 30 hours is like the most I've done in like a short period of time. But it's like, like I mentioned before, I was getting like one match a show. Like now I average three or four. And even then it's if you're doing multiple shows a weekend, like you could be swinging your shoulder like over a hundred times. Yeah. So like, it's not just making sure that your cardio's there. Like you have to take care of your shoulder. Like, um, a lot of like people don't like think about this, but like when you count, count with your forearm and your hand because if you count with just your hand you might jam your wrist and as like somebody who has had wrist injuries in the past yeah. like definitely not something i want to do but like people from the top to the bottom will tell you like with all of it because it makes better sound and it protects your wrist and like some people don't swing as much as i do just because like protecting your shoulder um i know like quite a bit of like old school refs from the wwe have had to have like knee surgery hip surgery um just because like when you're doing slides and stuff like it's not easy on those parts of your body and like even myself like i will walk away from a show like with my hip kind of being like out after and it's like yeah it's like i can't wait till i'm 60 <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I, yeah no i do too uh definitely um i do you know I, I kind of uh, I've I've gotten to the point now where like things will happen to me in matches and you know I'm hopefully I'm not getting seriously injured but yeah. like I you know I've been kicked in the face before and stuff and like last time I got uh, I was wrestling with uh, Colton Kelly in Calgary and it was a tag team match and he did a spin kick on me and it was our second match together the first time he got me in the chest. 
yeah. in the first match. So naturally, when he came at me with this kick, I was like, ah, and then he got me right here, <laughs> which. You know, I learned, oh, just mm-hmm. protect your face. If you get kicked in the <laughs> chest, big <Yeah>. deal, <laughs> you know, but, uh, uh, um, but, uh, like I, I started bleeding out my nose, right. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, it got kicked fairly hard. And so blood started coming out my nose and the referee, uh, who was looking out for my safety came over and he's like, Hey goose, your nose is bleeding. Uh, pinch your nose and lean your head back or whatnot. And I, I was like, no motherfucker i'm gonna wipe all this blood all over my face so i look like a psycho (laughs) you know like well also like it's gonna take minutes to plot right like yeah yeah just sit here while your opponent is just like taunting the crowd and it's like yeah well it was this was this was like right as the bell had like rang after the match right so but i i I was like whatever it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. so what i'm bleeding you know i'll live if it's if it's a profuse amount like yeah absolutely do something about it but like you know it's there's amount that like you know a person can bleed where like you've got six pints like yeah like if you're only out there for eight minutes, like as long as you're not gushing, like you should be okay. One would think, right? <laughs> yeah, we had a uh, one of the other wrestlers uh, on the show on Friday night uh, in Calgary, uh, Nos Colton Nos, and he um, he he busted his lip open mm-hmm. and came backstage, and he's like, and and he was like totally like amped up because he had just had a, a match and he had a really fun time and whatnot and. It was like, oh, your your mouth is bleeding there, man. And my thing was, hey, make sure you go get a picture of that so you can post it. <laughs> you didn't look like a badass, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, the I, I don't know. It's just one of those little things. Uh, I, I wanted to tell you, too, a little story uh, about people running in the ring and whatnot. Because I was at a, a house show in Victoria, a oh. uh, WWE house show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it was like Triple H and Flair versus Batista in the main event. And at one point, like near the end of the match, a fan ran in the ring to to get involved or whatever. And mm-hmm. it was the referee that gave this guy like the most hellacious, like, you know, not even Goldberg does a spear this hard. And it was crazy. Like, yeah, he, the referee speared this guy and then, you know, Triple H got on him and they got that guy out of there, but he didn't get out of there unscathed. So well, yeah, if you you're ever know. at a show, like don't jump in the ring. It's a bad idea because don't, please. best case scenario, the referee will get to you before the wrestlers do. And that's part of why, like I get warned to watch people and why, like I would tell people before they get in the ring is like, I like, you're going to trip on the ropes, get into the ring because you don't know how to do this properly mm-hmm. and by the time you figure that out i'm gonna have you locked up in a submission like i'm gonna be behind you i'm gonna have you in a headlock and we're gonna be on the ground like i, I mean unless, unless you know how to get out of it like <laughs> there's so much that goes into it like like you say even e- there's even strategies for for getting in and out of the ring like i i had to be taught how to get in and out of the ring right so how to walk in the ring right because like when you first step inside of it like it's different than what you expect it's going to be and yeah like and like i say moves. they're all different too like mm-hmm. you know the rcw ring feels significantly different than the uh the the, the big west ring 
Mm-hmm. And then like there's other rings I've seen that have like instead of having uh steel boards like steel underframe, they just have two giant like steel log frames or whatever and like they all like they all bump differently and all feel differently and sometimes you get something that's really bouncy and sometimes you get something that's not so bouncy and the not so bouncy ones are a little rougher to bump in but they're easier to walk in. Yeah. And then like it depends on the padding too. I know that uh recently Squig bought some new pads for the RCW ring and mm-hmm. we used them twice and then we didn't use them again cuz nobody liked them. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was like styrofoam and and you would literally it was like walking in quicksand or oh. trying to run in quicksand cuz they were just like they were not the proper kind of padding or whatever. So mm-hmm. they got used on like two shows and then it was like, Oh, we're going to have to get something else. Cause like we, you can't run spots properly and stuff when you're like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. I can't like you're it, it's running in quicksand. And it, it was really, really uh, cumbersome and difficult. Well, even just lifting another human being safely and like in that environment too. Right. Cause like if your <laughs> footing isn't properly, like who's to say that, you hoist up a 250 pound dude and suddenly you lose your footing, right? Like, yeah, not cool. It's like, even, even at training and stuff, we'll be, we'll be training and we bring in like Matt or whatever. Sometimes like I'll, if I'm going to do something, yeah, I'll bump the person on the mat, but I don't want to stand on the mat because like, it just feels like you, you don't get the, you don't have the mm-hmm. steadiness under your feet there. If you've got a big mat there. So like, uh, yeah, a lot of times you, it's, it's just one of those weird little things that people don't think about, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And it's even just like running the ropes too, where it's like, there's so much that goes into the footwork of doing that and otherwise and it's like even as a ref like trying to make sure that like i'm staying out of people's way and like having to like do footwork like that because like another one of the things that i do before shows is work on my footwork and like i actually take like a few like football slash boxing like footwork exercises and you'll see me like bouncing up and down and like turning my hips and like just running and just moving my feet in different directions because it's like I don't know exactly how things are going to go down, so I'd rather just be prepared to yeah. like know that like okay, I can move this way if I need to, and like my body's ready for it, it's stretched for it. I'm not going to strain myself because things happen very, very quickly inside of the wrestling ring, and like refs can get caught out of position, and like it sucks, but like it's. And then suddenly, like, if that happens, suddenly your match changes, right? Because, like, oh, I wasn't supposed to be laying on the ground right now. But here we are. And it's like, okay, so now we have to, like, coordinate, like, and then the wrestlers have to, like, work around, like, okay, so the ref's down. The bad guy should probably be cheating right now. And, like, they have to change, like, what they're doing just because, like, somebody wasn't able to get out of the way in time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. There's all kinds of like little, little things like that, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have to make sure that I stretch out my legs real good before I go out there now. And I, I, I do that every, every show because of, uh, my ACL's torn. So mm-hmm. if I don't and I hurt that even worse, then it's, it's a bad situation for me. Um, uh, yeah, ACL but, is important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, uh, yeah. I, 
I wanted to uh, get back to your your podcast, the Desert Tiger Podcast. That's an interesting like name for a podcast. Where did you come up with the the name for your podcast? Well, um, I guess you could call me a weeb or an otaku or whatever you want to call it, because I'm a little bit of a nerd, or at least was maybe a little bit more of a nerd. Uh, okay, I don't know what a weeb or an otaku even is. I've never okay, even heard those so like, uh, expressions otaku, before. Otaku used to be like a uh, derogatory term in Japan for like somebody who's like so focused on like some aspect of popular culture that like it's a detriment to the rest of their social skills. Oh, okay. Um, weeb is kind of like the same thing. Um, basically, it just means that like you're an anime nerd. So like. Back in the day, I was, like, also just, like, a very big anime nerd and happened to watch, like, my favorite series of all time. is called uh, Gundam. And in Gundam Seed, uh, there happens to be a character whose nickname is the Desert Tiger. And, like, at the time, I thought it was, like, the coolest thing ever. Like, not thinking about, like, the military, like... Um, resemblance of the name and like that's probably where they took it from because like it's a style of camo right but like for me okay. i was just like this is a cool name and i wanted to start a record label like i want to say 2009 like after i had just graduated from high school but at the time like i wasn't organized enough i wasn't driven enough like i just didn't have like the proper mindset maybe like you know there's a lot of things that go into yeah that um, sounds like it would things. be a, a, a quite the undertaking to start a record label well did you eventually get around to that like uh not yet no yet. <laughs> oh so that's fair uh, have you ha ever had anyone like debut their new next song on your podcast or anything oh, yeah. like that absolutely that's cool absolutely we've done that a few times too i play less music than i used to just because now I'm sort of dealing with like larger entities like before when it like I wasn't dealing with like major record labels or like management companies or otherwise like it was a lot easier for like when the artist had 100% control of their rights to just be like yeah go ahead and use my music because then like once you get to the higher level it's just uh okay so we're gonna like we're gonna send our lawyers over to talk to you and you're going to have a nice little discussion about how much money we would like you to pay for to play these music on the podcast. And I was like, well, I don't make enough revenue to pay for that. So, <laughs> got the music. But sometimes I still will, like, if a friend wants me to. Um, I do have a friend who, like, runs, like, an EDM label. Uh, she's been on the show a few times, Melafresh. Um, like, she insists that I play music on the show and, like, will give me full rights and everything. So like, it really depends on the person if they really want their stuff played on the show, but usually I'll just like throw links in it or otherwise. But yeah, so getting back to it is like, back then I was an alcoholic. I was not in the proper mindset, like I said, to do like any of these things. Like I wasn't good with like financial like you know balancing and everything because once again i was an alcoholic and spending pretty much all my money on booze and drugs and like wasn't in the proper space and like i'm happy to say that like i actually just passed like 10 years uh alcohol free so oh, good um, for you brother since my last relapse so um pretty uh like just saying that still gives me shivers because like it's pretty awesome to do that and I don't know. It's 
like I mentioned earlier, I had an accident probably about eight years ago um, where just everything wasn't going right. And I kind of just decided that it was like I wasn't living life for me. I was chasing other people's dreams, what other people told me that I should be doing my entire life. Like I enjoyed being a carpenter, but it wasn't my passion. And after the accident, like I said, we just sort of like ended up pursuing music first and that was one of the goals I had wrestling was one of my other childhood goals and the other one was to be a much music VJ and (laughs) so like years later like all I did in 2019 is I started the Facebook page and I never published it and it was just sitting there Mm -hmm. Desert Tiger Records was just sitting there since 2009 and I eventually forgot about it I moved on and then One day, I just like when I was trying to think of a podcast name, I went into Facebook and I was like, hey, well, let's try and create a page here. Like, how difficult is it to do it? And then I happened to notice, hey, I've got this page that's been sitting here for like almost a decade. And it just sort of became this thing where it's, it's, I don't know, it all just came together where the name suddenly had just so much more meaning. Um to me because I like sort of sat down and I thought about it and like the character inside the show was somebody who had to go through like a dramatic change after being defeated and he ends up going from like a villain to a good guy and it's just like the story of being able to like change um, in the face of adversity in the face of defeat to be able to like adapt and realize that like you know what maybe the thing that i've been believing in this entire time is wrong or whatever it is and it just sort of like seemed to fit the goal of like go ahead and chase your dreams and like jungle cats are like some of my favorite animals like it is my favorite type of animal um of all time so like that fit too and then to watch tiger king I did not actually. Oh really? Everybody you else did. And I didn't. I, I love it. Uh, I actually have a picture of uh, Joe Exotic from Tiger King, huh. and it's right next to a picture of Squig's dad, and huh. they look they look remarkably similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's... Anyway, that's completely uh, off the rails. No anyway, uh, yeah. uh, we are approaching the uh, the hour here, so uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can uh, they can follow you, where they can get a hold of you if they'd like to book you to referee uh, a match or uh, whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, maybe why don't you uh, let us know? Like, do you have a Spotify for your music? If anyone would like, <laughs> like to give that a listen. Um, so yeah, we'll go into that quickly here. I realized that I went in a little bit of a tangent there with the, uh, name of Desert Tiger. So to tie it off very quickly, when I moved to Kamloops, Kamloops is a desert and they used to have a zoo here and the main draw at the zoo used to be Zeph the Tiger. So it just sort of connected where it's like, you know what? It was, I was rebuilding myself. I was taking on my dreams. I was adapting. I was moving on. And then it just sort of became like, hey, this sort of also fits your new home. So it's, it was the silliest name to take on. It's been one of the most difficult things about running the show is trying to tell people like what it means and (laughs) always a question, but you can find the Desert Tiger podcast literally like anywhere a podcast is found. It's on like so many different aggregators, uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts. Um, I have a YouTube channel where we do video content. 
Uh, we've been releasing our interviews and video since the start of 2021. Uh, and that's just been growing into its own little, like, it's literally me and one audio editor. And what we've been able to turn it into is absolutely incredible. And that is available, like I said, on YouTube, on anywhere you can find a podcast. I myself, the Colton G, available on pretty much all social media. Uh, same tag for pretty much the Colton G for TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, the Desert Tiger podcast can be found at Desert Tiger Pod on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, you can also find it on Facebook. Um, if you want to book me to referee your shows, um, I have one heck of a resume. It's gotten me booked all over the place, like WrestleCore and Nation Extreme Wrestling. And uh, like I said earlier, always bring your gear and always work, work as hard as you can because that's what has earned me every single one of these opportunities is like one of the trainers at the Lionsgate Dojo is basically because like he was impressed with my work ethic. Like he told me to email both of those companies and it opened up massive doors and it's gotten me like incredible matches that like I am willing to send to anybody because like I have refed Impact World Championship matches and like, you know, some of like the top indie talent that there are out there, like Kid Bandit and Giselle Shaw and like uh, Chelsea Green. And like this past year um, has been incredible. And I wanna go even further. I recently got back to Edmonton for Love Pro Wrestling, uh, all these different places. If you want me to send you my resume, colton.gesch at gmail.com. So find me on social media. <laughs> and uh, is any of your music available? Um, so the music I created with the band I used to tour with, they're called Almost Alien. You can find their EP called Crash Landing, which was released in 2016, I believe. Um, that is available on all platforms. As for like my own personal music, we haven't released anything yet. We're sort of in the process of like defining exactly what sound I want. Uh, to go forward with because like as when I play in a band I'm a bassist um I've always just sort of been like a session dude sort of like playing in the background and otherwise and like this time around like I want to be the vocals and yeah. I want it to actually be my words my experiences um the things that I've lived through uh Have whether that be my like accidents the addictions like all of that other stuff or whether it's like you know just my love of various different things I want to create, I want to express. And I think that it's gonna probably like, it's been a long time that I've been talking about it, but I think that probably the start of 2023 is when we're actually going to get there. Solid, solid. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, I want to thank you again for uh, re-recording with me here on uh, Monday night Shaw. No and uh, hopefully I'll get to see you soon and uh, maybe even ha have you uh, referee one of my matches. I, uh, I think that'd be awesome. Um, I will say that my actually my messages have been popping off while we've been doing this interview and that opportunity might be coming a lot sooner than we think it will. <laughs> oh, OK. Well, that, that makes me real happy. Yeah, me too. Me too, my friend. I'm sorry if I rambled on you. I love to do it, but it's uh it's always fun to talk about something that I love and especially multiple things that I love music, wrestling and all of these things, especially with a, a friend. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and chat with me, Kyle. 
Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you uh, taking the extra time uh, having to re-record, but I, I feel like this interview went just as good as the first one, if not better. So, I hope so. Uh, I'm going to cut it there and uh, just say thank you one more time. Thank you. Thank you.